Welcome to For What It's Worth. Wait, wait, we're doing this thing? An introduction to and exploration of the furry fandom. I just want you to know that you're all perverts. I don't know what I'm doing here. And now, two fools who combined a Rattata and a Paris. I'm an innocent fox here. To make a pair of Tattas. Here are Rue and Tugs. Nerds. Actually, you guys are streaming live. Oh. Woo! So we are Where? live. So I want to see you fix this post. Quiet, I'm doing this. <laughs> Welcome to For What It's Worth, Season 6, Episode 12. It's my fetish. I'm really, really excited for today's episode. Like, I woke up and I was like, yeah! I can't be tired. So, I'm working on the tired thing because I have coffee provided by Rue. Who's with me? Say hi, Rue. Hi, how are you? I'm good. And we have Koru providing sound booth support somehow. Hello. Hmm. So, why is it that it's called It's My Fetish? You'll figure that out. What are we talking about? Figure it out later. Okay. Figure it out later. You you gotta gotta go with the flow on this stuff. I I am. I'm trying. I know. All right, Rue. So, what have you been up to? So, I've been up to so much. It's only been one week, so we don't have too much to, to give you. But I've been recently attending um, some lovely board game nights. Yay, board games. Mm. Aren't they fun mm-hmm. and very boring? Um, and then uh, the other day, I had this lady, this lovely, lovely lady that just step out in front of me in the middle of the street, and I almost hit her. What? She's just like... And she clearly saw that I was coming, and she had a little child with her. And instead of, like, moving out of the way, she decided to stop in the middle of the street, spread her arms out like an eagle, and, and like, held her child there. Like, I could have hit both of them. What? Really? Yeah. I'm like, are you serious? I was, I was grumpy for the rest of the day. So uh, I'm a little confused. That sounds like Russia. Well, the, the whole thing is, is she felt that she was next to the crosswalk. I mean, she, she felt she was in the crosswalk, but she was like, she was like a, um, at least uh, three yards from the, from the crosswalk. It was pretty far. And she just threw her arms out. Yeah. She was just like, don't hit me and my child. I'm going to have to like go to a screeching halt. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of, of dash cam videos. I think I mentioned this before. I'm like, just I, I'm a pedestrian a lot. Mm-hmm. I also recognize that I have way fewer lug nuts than a car. Just way fewer lug nuts. Like I, I don't, I don't feel like I feel like if I was to approach as a challenger to that car, I'd lose. I don't know. Well, maybe it's be because I maybe it's because I have a small car now. So I mean, she like slammed her hands down on my vehicle. And was like, like, how dare you, like, almost you, hit my child. Like you need a dash cam. A- and that's what, I, that's what I'm saying, they is that I a, think that I need a dash cam. You do. Costco has them for like 80 bucks right now. Oh, like, really? That's not bad. <clears throat> no, no, no. Well, you'll have to hit me up. What do, what do you use? I have, what are we doing, ad placement now? Well, I don't know. I have a Thinkware brand one. I bought a really high-end one that does like, you're drifting, and uh, not like cool drifting, but like drifting out of your lane. And... Um, you need to slow down. You're going to hit the car in front of you if you have to slam on your brakes and that sort of stuff. Oh, that's pretty cool. Oh, so yeah. what have you been up to, Mr. Tugs? What about, oh, board nights. You already said that. You know, I <laughs> I didn't go put anything in the rundown. I haven't been up to a whole lot because it's not been that long since we recorded. This week was pretty bad. I, work just drained me, and so yesterday I did my chores, and now I'm recording. So um, what have I been doing? 
Um, a whole I, lot of I, nothing. No, it no, like. I haven't played Final Fantasy XV for a while uh, because I'm on one of the optional dungeons and it's just kicking my ass. So I turned on my PC and started game. I've been playing the Bedfellows game. There we go. I did that yesterday. And, well, no, yeah, yesterday, or the, whenever I got it, and then Corey did it with me last night. And we oh. streamed it. Awesome. You should get closer to the microphone. <laughs> Time is up. Um, oh, and anything then, else? Tuts? Th- well, the switch is next weekend. Oh yes. Are you going to be going into the pre pre-release or I'm mean, not. No, whatever. no, no. I'm buying it off of someone who ordered two, and I'm not doing the line thing. Are you crazy? Yeah, that's what um, my boyfriend wants to do: is stand in line for it. No, be I'm the first one to I plug don't. it in. <laughs> I just can't. No. No. Did you did you did you consolidate into one? Switch? Nope. We're both getting one. That's dumb. It's not dumb. Go buy, go buy two Xboxes and two PlayStations while you're at it. This isn't a 3DS. It is though the way that they commercial commercialized it. No, or- Nintendo's just wanting you to understand what the sun is. It's really not yet a 3DS. I bet you in two years there won't be a 3DS. But I think that that's the direction that they're going with it. Sure, though. but right now you do, it's pointless to get to. You can't. You can't even play Virtual Console on it. Well, you know what? I'm going to get it, and then maybe I'll be like I don't know, like Tugs, and go and resell it. <laughs> Only if you offer it to people at price first, right? That's fair. <sighs> okay, fine, fine. We can all get it and play uh, Mario Kart. That's not out yet. Oh, it won't be out for a month. They were they were on time with their thing. They were rushing this to market, and it's super, super obvious. All right, I'm pushing this button. He's only have eight. It's Ruse Kooky time. All right, it's that time again. What you do we ready, have for the fortune? Were you ready? I was ready. I can't see because the display's in the way. I can only see from your from your eyeballs up. He All right, it says you'd be surprised by how good you are at killing people <laughs> in bed with the cookie. Really? <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, you know what everyone just did? They're all imagining. So how could I stealthily kill somebody with a cookie in bed? Uh, I, I think that you can make a cookie into a murder weapon. You just, you know, put it into a spike and leave yeah. it out for like months and months and months and make it really stale. Nibble a sharp edge. And then, yeah, nibble a sharp edge. There you go. I hope that you um, um, had a wonderful break there for just a couple seconds. Potty break. (laughs) Yes, a lovely potty break. And now, to introduce our next guest, we have Sheen. Yay! Hello. How are you doing today? Uh, it's been crazy, but, uh, hanging in there, awesome. doing my thing. So as Rue just ruined on break, most people are hearing you now and they're going, what? That's not the voice I'm used to hearing. So tell us what's up with why your voice is different. Uh, I'm not the voice actor for the series. I'm just the creator, but, uh, a lot of people call me Sheen, uh, because of the whole fur fag thing. Some people call me, uh, Chris Patrick. <laughs> Um, it, it, I don't really care. Like, you know, call me whatever uh, and I'll answer to it. So, uh, there's a lot of Chris's in the world. So Sheen usually works for, for telling us apart. 
Now, I know that begs the question, is there a, a <laughs> real It sounds fatigue, like that then? you you know. There is a real uh, do you just want to do the whole episode? Sure, yeah. yeah okay. No, shut up. <laughs> so, um, so tell us what, uh, just tell us a little bit more about yourself. What do you do in your day-to-day life? You don't have to say where. Yeah. Uh, my day-to-day life lately has been just locked up in a room and coding, honestly. Um, on release, uh, I, I just released the game, uh, Bedfellows Frenzy, and uh, on the release day, uh, I went out to the lake and I just sat there all day and, and stared off into space. So that's pretty much, <laughs> that was the first time I'd left my uh, room in probably a month. Um, but uh, my day-to-day is usually, um, uh, you know, coding for the most part, a little bit of marketing, uh, I, I'm on the phone a lot talking to voice actors, talking to other artists that are helping me and just sort of art directing all my projects and everything I do. Um, <clears throat> before I was working on the game, I did a lot of freelance. Uh, and before that, uh, I worked in, uh, marketing and I did some video game work at some video game studios, uh, worked at a couple of, um, uh, uh, stu- uh, other studios, non-art, uh, a feature film stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of that industry. So I've just kind of, you know, taken the reins into my own, uh, control and, and trying to make some, trying to make something of myself. So somewhere along the way you came up with, with the bedfellows. So what sparked the bedfellows for you? Uh, before I worked on the bedfellows, I was, uh, this was back in 2007 and I was in college. Um, and uh, I was working on another show um, called The Panhandlers, which was basically the exact same thing, except uh, it was with two characters, Mile and Ani. And Mile, you you can see Mile today. He's the uh, the hyena character with the, the slick back hair in some of the episodes. Um, he's sort of Sheen's friend. But uh, this show was basically the same premise. Uh, the Panhandlers was basically the same premise. It was... Um, two characters and one of them was a homosexual and he had a huge crush on this character and and the other one was straight and but he was a little less uh uh, angry than sheen is anyway the show wasn't doing very well i I was producing a few episodes and and it wasn't really picking any traction so um i i was super uh protective of these two characters and i would never put them in crazy situations It, it was all very slice of life sort of style and um and Travis, uh, uh, fatigue, helping me on this. Uh, he he, uh, he 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 she's been helping me forever, and um, and uh, uh, fatigue just said, hey, let's let's just make two throwaway characters where we just do whatever the the hell we want, and uh, and we just don't care. Like we just put them in crazy situations. So um, in over over a night, we threw together these two characters, uh, made one comic strip for them. And posted it just for fun, and the, it just exploded. Um, suddenly, you know, everybody on FA was following me, and it was it was absolutely bizarre. But I just kept rolling with it, and um, and I've been doing this now for since 2007. It's been seven years, I think, if my math's right. And um, I've just been slowly trying to. Uh, to bury this franchise <laughs> as you can i switched to 3d so i'm trying really hard to kill it now i'm making a game and eventually i will i will kill this i'm trying my best to do it but uh so far with no luck why 
Why kill it though? See, that's the. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm being sarcastic. Oh, okay, I'm okay. Sarcastic. No, I'm trying really hard to make this work. It's just the steps I'm taking to make it work. You know, cutting costs and and trying other things. Uh, I think it's coming off to the fans that that I'm running out of ideas and stuff, which I'm not. I have tons of ideas. It's just uh, I'm such a small team, and I I make you know I, I'm not trying to start a pity party party or anything, but. I don't make a ton of money. In fact, uh, I never made a profit off of any of the episodes that I made. Even though I had a Patreon, it was all going, <clears throat> excuse me, it was all going to everyone working on the show. Uh, so uh, I had a full-time day job and was doing that while I was making episodes in the evening moonlighting. So um, uh, didn't didn't make a ton of money and it's always, you know, really close call stuff. So um it's just the, all this stuff that I'm doing. It's just sort of me and a desperate attempt trying to make this thing work. Uh, I'm, I, you know, this is the first time I've done any of this stuff, and I'm just kind of trying to follow or find my footing. And uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And you know, uh, that's you know that's the nature of the business, and and I'm aware of that. But uh, we'll you know, hopefully the game will will be, you know. Uh, a better decision than a lot of my other ones. <laughs> so who is this series about? Uh, it's honestly, um, if, if it, it's really about a, a piece of me and a piece of Travis, uh, there's like this side of us, like a lot of, a lot of our conversations when we talk are just like the way Sheen and fatigue are. It's, it's played up, but it's not, like it's not real. We we uh, I talk shit to him constantly. Um, you know she acts really weird with me, and and I'm just like shut up. You know get get out of my face. And and um, <laughs> it, it's all played up. It's it's not real, and um, it's sort of like I don't know. For a while it was kind of a, a tree talk, our treehouse talk, which is how um, shooting the bull came to be, which is another show I worked on for a little while. Um, where we just we basically sat around and just talked about horrible things to with each other and and there was no restrictions on what we could and couldn't say and we were just like why don't we just record this and and that's what we did and um you know a lot of people uh i think i think when you put stuff out there in the public a lot of the things that you say that are really controversial kind of like follow you around I think maybe I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. the The reception was good, but uh, some of the things we said, you know, made people a lot of uh, a lot of people really unhappy. And it was just kind of, well, that's just sort of like how we joke. We we have we both have very dark sense of humor. So um, I don't know if that answers your question. I'm out of. I went on a crazy tirade. No, or no, I th <laughs> it's fascinating. It's yeah. it's great. If we're not saying anything, that's because we're just like, oh, really? Because I don't shut up. <laughs> no, we're okay with this. So how long? How uh, are you still doing the comic series? Uh, no, not not really. Uh, honestly, I I can't stand drawing. <laughs> as crazy as that sounds, um, I, I did it for such a long time, and and uh, you know I've kind of gotten to this point now where it's just it's sort of work. It's it's not enjoyable. It used to be we'd we'd all me and me and a bunch of friends and including Travis would all just sit around and draw draw these stories uh, with our characters, and and we'd sort of make up these ridiculous stories. And then and then some of them we were just like they were so silly. Like the um, 
the Beach Bully episode, that was just all it was was just a sketch that that our storyboard artist did in his spare time. And I said, that is too funny not to make into a, an episode. So we did that. And I mean, that's really all the series was for a long time was just us sitting around and just, you know, what's what makes us laugh? And, you know, that I guess the, the series has such a dark side to it. And, and it's it's because we all have sort of this this dark sense of humor, which, um, you know, I don't know. Some people some people are just like, you know, you shouldn't joke like that. But, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's sort of a um, a remedying thing for me. You know, when when things are really rough, I usually start going. I see. I usually start making fun of myself, I guess. <laughs> so have you ever had an idea, an idea that you were like, Oh, this is going to be amazing. This is going to launch us, launch us off, and then it kind of like fell flat. Because, yeah, a ton. Because um, with the keys, you you didn't think that it was going to go anywhere, and then it exploded. Well, the the thing is, is um, you know, I haven't really made an. I, I'm I'm not answering your question. I'm sort of answering your question. I'm taking a way big detour. You are um, fine. I uh, I've learned a lot about story writing since I started doing this. Um, I, you know, I've been taking classes and, and I love, I love storytelling. Um, but I also don't, I'm not, I'm not really a, a classically trained comedian. I just create what makes me laugh. And, um, and now that, now that I've had this sort of training and, and how to storytell, how to tell good stories, I look back at a lot of my older stuff and I, I kind of cringe a little bit because I'm like, you know, this could have been so much better, and and that's just the nature of the business, especially when you when you do you know sort any sort of entertainment. You look back at your old stuff and go, oh, oh terrible. But, um, but I feel like now if I were to tell a story, I feel like it would be an even better story than a lot of the things that I do. But then, you know, there's there's all these variables that are sort of thrown in that you know, is it going to be too preachy? Is it going to be not funny? And then, um, so so looking back i guess and 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 is there to answer your question is there anything that i created that i didn't go follow through with absolutely um like i said we sat around and we drew uh little storyboards all day long that's pretty much all we did and, and getting to the animation part was the part that i was like dreading because um it was it was a lot of doing the same thing over and over but coming up with the story was a blast and um and and we come up with three or four things a day and probably would only, you know, produce one of those things a month. So there were tons of stories. I mean, uh, there was a, there was a gag I wanted to do. So ultimately that's what all this is. It's just, these are just little gags. And I wanted to do a gag where, uh, fatigue got, a um, a, uh, um, a sex change or, uh, whatever it's called. And, um, and, and it was supposed to be a really like like sort of aqua teen moment where like Frylock got cancer. I don't know if you guys watch the show. We do. But um, it was uh, I love the show. I have I have little figures here that I love. But uh, anyway, um, so so Frylock got cancer and it was it was just that was the gag and it was really sad through the whole episode and it turned out that it yeah I don't remember the the punchline but it it was really funny. Um, but but that was sort of the similar thing where it was going to be like this really awkward really like really sad episode where where you know sheen's just like i can't love you anymore because of of your gender and and fatigue is like well i'm willing to change that for you 
and and she's just like you would do that for me and and it's it's like this really super touching moment and then <laughs> and then fatigue gets gets their gender changed and you don't know what it changed from and to so but the, uh, she's just like she's just like you're perfect now i love you this way <laughs> and it was just like i don't know a, a lot of the episodes too are just me trolling people just you know somebody people will get really mad about something and then i make an episode about it like uh, the um um the uh, fans episode where we meet uh, Franklin, who's actually in the game, uh, that was a specific thing that happened to me um, when I was at a con. Uh, someone and, and I hope they're not listening because they're going to feel really <laughs> stupid. But uh, they came up to me and they just they just asked if I was like, you know, just asked about my sex life. And it was super awkward because like I don't. I don't know. I don't really share a whole lot of that information. So they just start coming up and they're just like, so, so do you, and do you bang fatigue? And I'm like, are you, are you talking about the characters or real life? And, and, uh, and he's like real life. And I'm like, I don't, I don't really know if that's, that's pertinent information for you to be asking me. And, and he was like, oh, 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 I'm sorry. Well, like, uh, you know, I'm just going to throw this out there, but we're going to be having a big, uh, a big slumber party up in our room later. And, we're wondering if you if you guys are into three ways, and I'm just like, dude, what the <laughs> hell did I just say? <laughs> so, but it was really, yeah, it was super awkward, wow. and, it, and yeah, it was one of the biggest responses to that video was everyone was like, uh, "There's like nobody out there who actually acts like this," and I was like, "Actually, yeah, it happened to me." <laughs> you know, it, that almost reminds me of when you know somebody at a convention walked up to me and said, "Excuse me, um, not to be." Not to be rude, but are you transitioning? <laughs> I got asked that last FC again. Really? Yes. What? Transitioning. I mean, not that I not that I that's, have any problems or anything. It's just like, uh, oh, okay, that that is kind of really have, awkward to be the first thing that you, you say. You have a tumor, remember? Oh. We have that whole segment for your tumor. Oh, the tumor time. Tumor time. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> so these guys are way ahead of where we are in the show notes. Good job, guys. Good job. Good hosting. Um, so. To confirm, you really are a furry, right? Um, well, yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> How is that pertinent? <laughs> yeah, like, honestly, I mean, really, what is what is a furry? Uh, it's it's it, to me, it's something that's kind of behind closed doors. And maybe it's because I'm older and, and uh, I grew up on a very early part of the Internet where you don't give your your personal information out. But sure. to me, being a furry is a very private thing. And yeah, I mean, I would, I would definitely say I, so I show all the symptoms of being a furry. Um, would I walk around and tell everybody, Hey, I'm a furry and and wear a tail? No, absolutely not. Um, I kind of keep that stuff private and I do enjoy a a lot of, uh, popular furry artists. I love the artwork and I love porn. I will never, ever deny loving porn. (laughs) Good. Um, Good. That is something that everybody should be absolutely proud of. And it, and it drives me crazy when people try to be like, well, no, I don't really look at that. I'm like, dude, just fucking say you look at porn. That's fine. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with it. Um, but that's just my personal stance and, um, yeah, yeah, I'm a furry, I guess, to answer your question. So, you know, it's interesting because we, so we, we're in our sixth season, right? And we've interviewed a very wide spectrum of people and we, we get really interesting responses to that question. Um, but just so you don't feel completely bad, like Rue and I are in our thirties, right? 
And so, like, like I don't, and well, Cora too, and um, and you know, I don't, I don't go around waving a, a flag, you know. Like, what I do in my personal time has nothing to do with what I do in my professional time. Uh, but I mean, it's undeniable. I mean, I on public record, I helped run a convention, right? And I can't hide an LLC registration sort of thing. You know, you get outed by Margaret Cho on YouTube, forget it. Everybody knows, right. sort of thing. But but that's that's not that's not typical for most people. And um, it, I remember when it was kind of a it was it's it still is a bit of a stigma on the internet to be like I'm a furry, and so like you know holding it close to the chest is completely understandable uh, for us. So I mean. I, but I guess what I'm really trying to say is, is your response is pretty much in line with a lot of people who've been around for a while, and that's totally fine. I think a lot of people are that way too, right? Uh, well, yeah. uh, except except for the fact that um, when it comes to the porn thing, honestly, yours is a great answer because most of the guests that we have that come in here, they're always tiptoeing around. Oh, I got into the fandom through porn, you know, different things like that. So, dude, I, I'm not I'm not ashamed of of looking at porn. I, I I'm what bothers me, I think, about the whole furry thing is that I think people um, people tend to judge, you know, characters based on, you know, what the person's into. So like like um, I'm sure you guys are are well aware that, uh, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, if you were into, you know, comic books and, and, you know, nerdy stuff that you were labeled a nerd and, and you were this, you know, um, this awkward person exactly and so like now look at it like everybody's into this stuff and and i have a theory that in the next 15 or 20 years like furry stuff is just going to be a very normal thing that just like it, and maybe hipsters will be wearing tails ironically to we try are and be already cool. in hot topic no no <laughs> see i'm a bit of a i'm a bit of a portlander on this one it's like keep furry a little weird like that was part of the fun no, I, I'm I, I'm I'm on your side on this. I, I worry about the day that it becomes mainstream because right now it's the only thing that sort of sets me apart from everybody else. Um, but but you know it's funny because uh, business wise it's hard to make hard to make money in this industry because it's something that that you know is kind of frowned upon still. But but at the same time, you know that's how these these mainstream markets start is. It starts as a very awkward thing that only a few people are into, and then someone hits it big in it, and then now everybody's trying to copy it. You know, it's just being patient and doing it. But I think it'll, I think it'll turn around, and we'll all hate it when it does. <laughs> then we'll start weird com, and we'll start, we'll start another thing where we all start dressing up like uh, I don't know centaurs or something, something completely different from fur. I, I, I know centaurs aren't different, but we'll go to CentCon. Um, but yeah, exactly. Like, there's going to be this new thing that pops up that's totally weird, and like, even furries will be like, "Oh my god, what the, what is that? That's so fucking weird," you know. We already do that. It's just, <laughs> we are we it, it, we already do that to our own people. Oh, you're into that? Ew. You oh, <laughs> I there's it's fun. It, it's I just um, a couple of. of um, a couple of my girlfriend's uh, uh, family came over, and they're they're pretty cool people. And I, I'll try to keep this simple, but basically, uh, they're they're very open to the idea of furries. But at the same time, they're just like they're like it's sort of like the gay thing, uh, like four or five years ago. It was like right. like oh, I'm cool with gay people, but I'm not one of them. I'm not one of them. It, that's sort of what was what was, what was going on. But, you know, I was having some chats with people and, and they were just like, you know, telling me like, oh, well, it's cool that you're a furry, but I would never do this. And then later they would just sort of like as they opened up a little bit, were just like, you know, I don't 
I don't really, I kind of like it. It's sort of cool. And, <laughs> and I'm like, see, it's okay. Like, it's not, it's not a, like people make it out to be like this awful thing because they're afraid of being labeled it. And, and so my, my sort of, uh, stance toward this is who fucking cares? Like, I, you know, it's, it doesn't define me. I'm going to do what I enjoy and I make the series. I enjoy making it. If people want to call me a furry, go for it. I don't care. Um, if they want to, I mean the, 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 I get a ton of, 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 uh, like, I don't know what the term is. Like, like mean compliments, like backhanded compliments. Yeah. Backhanded compliments that are just like, like, wow, this is really great for a furry trash show. <laughs> so I just sort of, I sort of, I mean, if you beat the game, it says at the end, uh, this game was created by furry trash. And that's sort of just the embracing of, of this, you know, four. whatever, whatever people want to call you, let them call you that. I mean, you just, you just got to keep going, I guess. <laughs> uh, I want to beat the game one day. All right. <laughs> Get past level three. All, all I can say is that those are just amazing answers, and I I feel like that he deserves a clap. I mean, I don't. Are know. Are we gonna what, give him the clap already? Uh, yeah, I think, all right, I think we'll give so. him the clap. So. One, two, three. Yay! Okay, thank you. I'll be here all day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so first email. Uh, we actually got a lot of emails, and we worked them in. So um, here is the first one that's standalone. Um, he says, "Dear FWIW cast and bedfellows." Moss here writing in for the topic, so um, here goes. I remember the first Bedfellows comic I ever read and thought it was so cool they were going to become animations. I do have a few questions. Um, where do you get the ideas for the comics? Some of these are about the animation, but we're saving that for next segment. Are these inspired by real-life events, which I think you touched on a bit? Um, and what advice would you give to someone who wants to start this sort of hobby? Um, well, to answer the first question, uh, how to... Wait... I've already blanked out. So, so I, I, one of the questions was along the lines of how do I come up with the ideas? I sort of answered that already, but I'll, right. I'll kind of expand on it. Um, a lot of it is just, um, it's sort of role playing, I guess. Um, it's not actual, like we don't sit at the keyboard and role play this stuff, but when we talk to each other and, and when we make jokes, um, we just sort of, I guess, I guess improving is the best word. We just sit around and improv this stuff and we just go, you know, we just sort of play the characters as we go. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll roll as Sheen and, and, uh, Travis will roll as fatigue. And, um, and we just, we come up with these ideas based on how we randomly respond. It's sort of how Saturday night, Saturday night live comes up with their skits is they, they improv it first. And then they say, well, is there something here? Can we do something with this improv? Nah, let's toss it or, or let's do it. Let's make it happen. Um, what was the other question? I already forgot. Um, how do you get into the hobby? Yeah. How do you get, into how hobby? do I get into a hobby? Uh, I would, I would highly, highly recommend do it, doing it as a hobby and not trying to make money at it. It, this is by far the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but um, it's the only thing I'm good at. So I really don't have a choice. There's really no other options for me. Um, you know, I've been doing, I've been doing this professionally at uh, companies. I'm trying not to toot my own horn. I, I'm just stating the facts. I've done this professionally. It's a, it's it's a very awful industry. Um, it's full of really you know, gross people who, uh, will do anything to get ahead. Um, people will go out of their way to try and get you fired. Um, it's very competitive. There are a thousand people lined up to take your job at any moment. 
Um, and, and the people who hire you know it and they'll take advantage of it. That being said, I, I don't want to run people off from trying, but I want I want everyone to be because this is something no one ever told me. Um, you have to be ready for what you're going to be getting into if you want to pursue this. Um, I highly recommend doing it for yourself and doing it for fun um, and just and just comment the way the way I've become more, the most successful at this is whatever pisses me off i have to talk about it and that's just what i do i sarcastically write these stories around things that that drive me crazy um and, and that's how i get my that's how i get this stuff off my chest without actually like going out of my way and saying that these things piss me off because no one wants to hear me complain but they love to see the characters interact in these situations that that you know very closely represent the things that i get into um or the things that i want to talk about um, and, and yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm going on rambling, but that's, that's pretty much. You're fine. You're fine. That's awesome. <laughs> on that note, we're going to go ahead and blast off into space, learn a little bit about space, and then we'll head back into our topic about, um, how to do, I mean, how to, how to. Just say ah, the bedfellows. Ah, Just say the bedfellows. Bedfellows. Yay. Oh, that crashed <laughs> Hailing Frequencies Open, Smokescale Aquatus here with another round of news for you. As of Wednesday, March 1st, here are your space headlines. Juno, the probe sent to Jupiter to examine the gas giant, is going to stay in its current orbit. Scientists have been having trouble getting the engine to respond the way they expected it to. This is the same problem that's been plaguing it since it entered orbit. The valves that open to let reactants into the reaction chamber aren't opening and closing nearly quickly enough to be useful for precision burns. So, the flight team has decided she'll stay right where she is. Juno can still do all the science the mission intended, it's just going to take longer, since the orbital period is much greater than expected. Once the mission is complete, however, they should still be able to deorbit the probe into Jupiter's atmosphere as planned. The final Soyuz U has flown. On Wednesday, February 22nd, a Russian Progress resupply freighter launched atop the last ever Soyuz U bound for the ISS. Other, newer configurations of the Soyuz will take its place, but this is the last of this particular model. The Progress carried with it 2,640 kilograms, or 5,820 pounds, of payload into orbit, of which about 1,317 kilograms, or 2,903 pounds, was, quote, dry cargo, spare parts, food, clothing, experiments. The rest was water, oxygen, and fuel. After a couple of days in orbit chasing down the ISS, Progress docked with the station, successfully delivering its cargo. It's nice to see the rapid-fire succession of deliveries like this. NASA and Roscosmos are getting the station back to a more fully stocked state, just in case another cargo delivery fails. Here's hoping it doesn't. Some time ago, astronomers announced that they had found three rocky Earth-sized planets around a star only 40 light-years away. That's pretty incredible. But recently, using data from NASA's Spitzer Telescope, they discovered four more planets, rocky and Earth-sized, around the same star, bringing the total to seven. The star in question is TRAPPIST-1. It's an ultra-cool red dwarf. No, that doesn't mean it's the fawns of the galaxy. It means it burns at a much lower temperature than our sun. In fact, it's just barely big enough and hot enough to perform hydrogen fusion. Because of that, it will take a really, really long time to burn it out, much longer than our sun. Because of its size and coolness, the planets orbit much closer, the outermost of which completes one revolution around its star in only 20 days or so. The star's mass and distance to its planets means they're all very likely tidally locked, meaning one side always faces the star, 
like how the moon only shows us one side. The really interesting thing is, there's a chance for three or more of these planets to have liquid water on their surface. Three are in the Goldilocks zone, and one or two others might have atmospheres that can combat the excessive heat or cold. It's kind of amazing seeing seven Earth-sized planets around the single star. It's making us rethink how solar systems can form, function, and flourish. You can bet there's going to be more news about TRAPPIST-1 in the coming months and years. Recently, Orbital ATK mated their latest Cygnus resupply freighter to the Atlas V that will carry it into orbit. It's slated for launch on March 19th out of Cape Canaveral Air Force Station in Florida. Why is Orbital using an Atlas when they have their Antares rocket back online? Because the Atlas can carry a heavier payload into orbit than the Antares, and NASA is eager to stock up the ISS if possible. They don't anticipate any issues in the future, but they like having contingencies in place, just to be safe. The mission, OA-7, is going to be carrying around 3,500 kilograms of supplies and will take roughly two days to reach the station once in orbit. This will be the third time the Cygnus has flown on an Atlas, and the speed at which the ULA can make it happen is helping Orbital stay on schedule. The next four missions Cygnus will fly over the course of the next two years will all fly on top of their recently updated Antares. That's all this time. For more on space and space-related matters, check out the social media for all the agencies and companies mentioned. And don't forget to check out my long-form podcast, Committed to Launch, at committedtolaunch.com, and at launchcommit on Twitter. If you've got a question about space, send it on in. Until next time, this is Smokescale Aquatus saying keep looking up, space fans. This is Axacor coming at you from 1,000 feet over the Windy City, and you're listening to For What It's Worth. I just, it's so funny, and I'm, I, like I was saying when we introduced the episode topic last episode, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. This has been the episode I've wanted to record since before I was hosting. Like, I remember I was nagging around, like, do the bedfellows. You must do the bedfellows, and it never happened. So I'm happy it's finally happening is what I'm saying. Well, it wasn't because of me. <laughs> well, no, but I knew. I was like, this is going to be big. Do it. Um, and so I'm, I'm just I'm thrilled it's finally happening. So we are going to, as you can guess, talk about the animated series at large. So how long have you been doing the? Well, I guess you don't really do it anymore. Um, but when did you start the animated series? You give me way too much credit, by the way. Uh, I started in 2012. Uh, I think that's when I did my first release, and I did my own voice. It was me and Travis together doing the show, and then um, it, it. Of course, we're not voice actors, and we were much, uh, we were much shittier at the time. So um, we we kind of scrapped that ep- episode and did uh, a new one with an actual voice actor, and it came out great. Did you work at a post office at the time? No, I just figured it'd be perfect for Sheen since there's so much shit that goes down in post offices. <laughs> <laughs> I it was just so great. I remember because like I'd call Rue and we'd like quote the first few lines. But what's better and you did, did I ever tell you this Rue is that I called my husband who was my boyfriend at the time and I did that to him and he had just watched it and like we did the whole episode on the phone and then I just hung up on him. Like <laughs> we're going to say you want to go to lunch now? No, how was your day? Click. <laughs> he called me back. He goes, "Bitch, did we just do that?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, we just did that." <laughs> Uh. Yeah. Um, so, who's involved in the animated series? Um, 
there's um forgive me it's been a while since i've done this um there's matthew rice aquacoon he does the storyboards uh travis who does background work uh robin who animates for me um sean chiplock does the voice work um I, I should be putting their uh, nicknames in there too, but I'm I'm losing my train of thought. Uh, and I'm oh Buck Riley, the the gentleman we were going to invite on who does the music. He did uh, an entire OST for Bedfellows, which he did a fan fucking tastic job. I love that soundtrack. And I think that's I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, and they're going to be mad at me, but I can't remember the rest of the people. Um, and the others. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> I'm just joking. No, what's funny is Buck. Buck actually is the one who did the orchestration of our current theme song and has done all the remixes since. Yes. So people here, you you guys know his work, <laughs> listeners. So, what is the workflow for the series? The workflow is it different than the comic? Uh, I mean, coming up with the story is about the same as the comic, but it's it's um, when I was doing it, I had built a pipeline through um, Dropbox that we all kind of worked out of from from a long distance. Um, my animators in, in uh, Canada, my voice actors in uh, Cali and uh, yeah, we all just kind of remote everything in and 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 then i sort of like orchestrate it i put it all together and make it into something and if if i need more stuff i try my best to use what i have to make something work but if i have to pull go back and ask for something else i usually do and then we have to wait on that to to come in and then um had a pretty tight system for a while and then uh you know a, a lot of crazy stuff happened and a lot of life things happened and uh yeah and i just kind of slowed down on it and and now i'm i'm trying to make the game so that's that's the situation i'm in right now did you did you use flash for it or were you using something like toon boom i was using flash for the for the whole thing at the beginning and um that was that was till like episode six or seven i think no yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like till six or seven. Then I started using uh, compositing software. I started using uh, um, After Effects to kind of bring all the assets in from Flash, so I had more control over time and, and scenes and stuff like that. And then uh, I think like by, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think by eighteen I was using uh, Maya for. I was doing like a. Um, I was doing it all in 3D, but I was using an orthographic camera, and and it was sort of doing like a um, uh, a glass plane, kind of how Disney did their stuff back in the day. And, and except I was doing it in 3D, where we were shooting it uh, all on one on one angle, and uh, sort of faking it to make it look like it was 2D. And then I switched to 3D, which which was a huge mistake not just because of the the amount of work it taught i i thought it was going to be a lot easier but it turned out to be a lot more work and um and the the 3d itself like it lost that charm and i i can't stand the look I, it's funny because a lot of people comment they're like wow this style is really ugly and i'm like i know it's right isn't it it's horrible <laughs> but you were taking you were making you were taking experimental steps which is always good right it's yeah both. yeah well, I mean, if you have a if you have a fan base that's always like rabid, you know, you're going to 
I mean, when you're trying to make something work, it's like, I don't know. I, I, I tweeted out that I was like, I was basically the, the Sonic franchise at this point and, and what I was creating was Sonic boom. Um, it's, it's just, you, you take chances and you make mistakes and, and some are really forgiving and some aren't. And you just kind of have to laugh at yourself when you, when you make those mistakes. So speaking of fan base, we actually have an email here from a fan. Um, it's from, let's see, Mifalme. I I know how to say it. Sorry. (laughs) Hello, once again, Ruin Tugs. And hello for the first time, creators of Bedfellows. My name is Mifalme Lion. And unfortunately, I have stumbled upon your cartoons when I was 15. I know you guys never aimed to have a young audience, but I love your show. I was just wondering... What was your inspiration for the show? What program um, for? Let's see. What program for you did you use to animate? Did you Which use to animate? Um, how did Sheen and Fatigue become who they are? And finally, I want to push push you to make your what new game. What pushed you to make your oh, new game? Oh, what pushed you to make your new game? <laughs> well, I can't read it all today. Thanks for reading. Well, you're welcome. I butchered it, but okay. Um, hope you have a great day, and I hope the game is a big success. Oh, thank you. Um, well, first of all, I want to comment on the fact that this person saw me when or saw the show when I, when they were 15, and um, you know, there's like the there's this sort of stigma when when um, people find out when they're creating like adult content stuff, and they find out that that younger audiences are watching it, and and like I I don't know like that. It doesn't bother me too much, I guess, because I was looking at horrible things when I was way younger than that. And it's like, <laughs> that's how you learn, I guess. That's how you grow up. That's that's That was a part of my growing up. And, and I don't know, like, should we really be that concerned about it? I don't know. Like, I don't want to I don't want to ruin anyone's childhood or anything, but. That, that's kind of my stance I'm, on I'm that. with I, you. I'm just concerned about lawyers invading my life. That's really what I care sure. about. You know, sure. I, I wonder if that's why we have a whole bunch of minors that listen to the show is because we have that explicit on iTunes. And they're like, oh, mommy and daddy will never want me to listen to this because right. it's explicit. They know. So therefore, they download it because they want to hear it. They want to hear all the, the stuff. Whether or not you create it, uh, my, my intent isn't to target younger audiences but whether you create it or not that's that's just like something that's always going to be available for people to look at at any age so i I think when honestly you know i think we're getting a little political here but it's okay uh excuse me it's okay um but i i think that when when people are ready at whatever age to see something they'll look at it and if they don't like it they'll reject it and that's that's sort of, you know, I, I don't think we, we treat kids with enough respect to, to make those kinds of decisions. So, I mean, if, if someone looks at it and they're underage, there's not much I can do about it. If they enjoy it, I can't stop them from watching it. Uh, I don't necessarily go out of my way to target. A lot of the things I talk about, I try to talk about real issues that I personally deal with. And I don't believe that, that anything should be dialed back ever. I think that, that, if you have something to say, it should be said, um, whether it makes people upset or not, because, you know, how else are you going to get it out there and get the elephant out of the room? I'm, I'm the type of person, if someone comes over to the house, I immediately, and they have like, I don't know, a stupid hat on, I, I call it out. I'm like, 
wow, that's a stupid hat. And and that just kills like whatever <laughs> awkwardness is it going to be there. They, and it, most of the time they laugh, like most of the time they don't like get upset or hurt. And if they do, then that's sort of their, I, I'm sort of going on, on a trail here. So what was, what was the actual question? No, I think, I think it's a good tra- trail, but um, um, here's some let's of the take questions. This one at a time. So, okay. So first of all, um, inspiration for the show you kind of talked about it a little bit so. yeah it's 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 sort of uh it's sort of a role play based on our lives basically programs that you use to animate um which we touched flash we yeah. after effects audition uh gold wave sometimes uh i'm maya sometimes sometimes blender Depends on like I like I like learning a lot of things, so I use a lot of programs. You don't need that to do the job. Honestly, Toon Boom is amazing, so go use that. Learn that. That's it's a freaking awesome program. Um, but but I I I was trained in video, so I have a little bit a different path that I took than than just a normal animation route. And the last one was what pushed you to make your new game? <clears throat> uh, Desperacy. Um, I, it started out as is just a for fun project. I was having a tough time with work and and finding work and stuff like that. So, um, I just kind of made this thing to sort of pass the time. And as as it, you know, grew and grew and and sort of more things kept going into it. I was just like, you know what, let's let's just invest in this thing. So, that's um, about four months ago. I was just I went all in and and you know took out a loan and said let's do this. And that's how it came to be. What were you gonna say? Go ahead. Oh, uh, I was just wondering where keys came from. Uh, keys came from me. I, I used to say that all the time. Like I love that song. The um, uh, oh my god, I forgot what it is now. The the skeet skeet skeet. skeet. I know there's a there's a name for it, but um, I used to I used to say that when that song came out. When I was looking for my keys, I was like, "Where's my keys? Where the fuck are? Where are my keys? Oh, keys, 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 keys." <laughs> and, and I would. Uh, I did that the I would, other day. I would, that's, I just said it, and I was just like, you know, I should just make a song out of that. So I did, and, and you know, I, I really thought people wouldn't get it. I thought they were just going to be like, what the fuck is this? And um, <laughs> they it did really well. You, that, it's crazy. You never know what's going to be. What's going know, to work and what's thing not. And what isn't, right, it's, exactly. It's has, has much there... worse when you actually don't have a key you use <gasps> for your car, and it's just a fob. And like the fob just sits in this one place in like a pocket that you always take with you, like in a coat. And then you can't suddenly it's not there. And then you really want to know where your effing keys are. Awesome. So, you know, it's funny because you talk about um, the role playing thing. And I think I don't know if anyone's told you this or not, but I think what, what really makes the animated series work so well is because everyone that I've talked to relates to the scenarios that you animate, like losing the car keys or getting that phone call where you're like, I'm super busy right now. I, I can't talk. And they're just like, oh, that's nice. Like, Rue's gotten that call. I've oh, gotten yeah. that call. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, like I don't know if, I, what I'm trying to say is we all go through those same experiences and you just nail them right on the head. You just go right to, for the humular, or the humor jugular. Humular? Well, I think it's because he animates from, I mean. From real life. It's from real life. It's from your life. It's not something that you sat in a boardroom and. I mean, yeah, I know that some things you, you that's probably how you do it is sit and just create it that way out of, but it seems like most of your scenarios is something that has happened to you or something that has happened to, to somebody that you know. 
Yeah, and the and the best the best kind of story writing that's worked for me at least has been my it's a curse and a blessing. You I I have like a very I'm very sensitive to to stupidity, I guess. And when <laughs> when I get asked to do something at work or I get told things can't be this way or whatever, and I already like I immediately identify it as that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. It immediately makes me angry and I immediately want to write about it and I want to like make fun of it. And that's sort of the only that's sort of the only like re- rebuttal I have to to things that make me mad is is just to sit down and write about it because, you know, yelling about it. I've tried it. Yelling about it doesn't make any difference. But making people laugh about it, that seems to be so if you want to write, if you if you want to write a like similar sort of thing, like whatever just drives you crazy, just make a make a skit about it, make a joke about it. Like that's that's a really cathartic way of dealing with it, and it also makes other people. It brings a lot of joy into people's lives, and just like that's the best way to handle it. I think. Rue, have you ever had to bang on the wall and go, "Shut up, I'm paying the bills"? <laughs> <laughs> have you? Uh, yes, yes, that's I like have. Every guy <laughs> ever has done that. You're like, oh wait, shit. <laughs> <laughs> another another gag I wanted to do was uh, put Sheen kept all of his porn in a, a taxes folder. Oh no! Because <laughs> I think we're all guilty of that. You know what? That's funny because a few years ago I gave up. I'm like, I'm just going to call this folder porn. I don't care anymore. Yep. Like, if you're getting in, it's why are you in my files? You can you know what you're porn. getting into. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Instead of the hidden file and people are like finding it accidentally. Oh, yeah. So um, how much of I mean, we've talked a little bit about that. Sheen is you. How much of Sheen um, like uh, the caricature? How am I trying to say this? Yeah, the caricature. How much of Sheen is is you? Do you feel like it's completely you or is there parts that differ? I don't act like Sheen. I don't know. I don't know. I don't like we, have, we haven't talked a lot, but I feel like some of you is in there. Some of it is in, in me. I can definitely tell you that I've ch- I've grown up a lot since I started the series. And when I did start it, um, anybody who looks at Sheen as a role model is making a huge mistake. <laughs> did you? Because I used to be a lot more like Sheen. Um, I, I've gone. I've gained a lot of patience and a lot of like like just general life knowledge so i don't get really mad as quickly but i do like if it, like i said i don't have a lot of patience for stupidity and sheen's sort of the same way even though sheen's stupid himself he's kind of that's i don't know that's what makes me laugh about sheen is that he's super hi- hypocritical like he has no time for he has no patience or time for stupidity even though he's a complete idiot himself so um and and that's honestly to be honest with you, Sheen is a very young me, and Sheen is, I guess, my own self-awareness of how how dumb I am. Sheen is really poking fun at myself. Um, I, I tend to jump off the handle, and I, I tend to overreact, and uh, I get mad, and, and everyone's, you know, like, calm down, calm down. You're, oh, don't you fucking tell me to calm down, and I get really <laughs> pissed. I get wound up, and... And I know that that it's wrong, but I, you know, I have a lot of I have a temper, and um, 
and it's it's cooled off a lot. So, uh, yeah, people meet me and they're just like, oh, my God, you're so nice. I was actually scared to talk to you. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, it's good that you're talking to me seven years later because a lot's changed, I guess. Well, do you feel like Sheen himself, you know, the bedfellow Sheen has matured in any sort of way as you have matured? Or is he still the same Sheen as um, scene one or episode one? What do you think? Oh, I'm. I guess I'm asking He's you. Still peeing on things, so I'm gonna go with a little bit of both. <laughs> Honestly, peeing on thing is hilarious to me. Like, I just I love the idea of like peeing on something just because you're so angry or something. I, I, I don't know. It's just a very primordial primordial thing that just makes me laugh. But um, like. I mean, that's kind of the running joke between me and Travis, honestly, right now. It's like, like I'll just, I'll just say, like, the sales aren't as good on the game. And he'll just be like, well, you shouldn't tell everybody to go fuck themselves and pee in their face. And I was like, <laughs> well, I guess I guess that could draw, uh, drive some people away. I didn't think about that. You know, that's but that's I mean, we're always sort of in character, even though we're not the characters. We just sort of are in character. But um, but there's, oh man, there's, I mean, there's a lot of really personal stuff like that goes on between me and Travis. I, I'll, I'll get into huge fights and we'll argue and scream at each other. And our, oh, I do most of the screaming and Travis is just like, just like trolling me usually. And that's sort of what fatigue does to, to Sheen is, is, uh, he sort of kind of exit on, you know? So <laughs> I don't know. It's, it, it's, it works for us. And I think a lot of people relate to it. But it's not I, I don't want at the end of the day to people to think it's like an absolutely real thing because it's all played up. It's all just a gag. But at the same time, it's sort of like in that sort of humorous way. It's true. You know what I mean? So I, I assume that at some point in your life you had to sit down, even if it was just for a microsecond and kind of reconcile that there's like this alternate edition of your character that's going out there into the world and people are, are assuming is you. So. When you when you did that reconciliation, did you say, okay, this is a B side, this is just an alternate version of me, this is not me? Like, how how did you resolve that that pro- assumed conflict? Um, I think I think the the thing I I did kind of think about this, but you know, I just sort of do what I feel like at the moment is right, and um, sometimes it's the wrong thing to do, and sometimes it's the right thing to do. Um, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's kind of like mix, mixing business with pleasure. Um, I, I'll give you an example. Um, so, so I was, uh, twice now, uh, two, two pretty highly, uh, established people have reached out to me and, and talked to me and I'm so used to like being in character when I talk to people and, and, and that sort of character is just me in the sense of. I just say whatever's on my mind without thinking about it. And and after a while, I just roll with it. Like, you know, if, if I see something about you that that needs to be made fun of, I immediately have to do it. <laughs> and luckily for me, people love it. They, they're just like, oh, it's just like the character. So um, so I get away with it, luckily, and without getting punched in the face. And uh, and that sort of thing has has come back to bite me a couple of times. Like, you know, these, these people have reached out to me and I go. I, you know, one person asked me, uh, do you, what do you recommend for getting, you know, like plush work done? And I said, don't do it. And they're just like, well, you know, I need some help. And I'm like, don't bother with it. It's a bad idea. And, and it's a, you know, I just, I just play the character as Sheen and I'm rude to them. And then like 
two weeks later, I'm not exaggerating, like two or three weeks later, I reached back out specifically to this same person without knowing who they were. Like they just hit me up randomly and then I kind of brush them off. And then I reach back out to them because I think they're a perfect, you know, person to talk to for a project or something. And they go, whoa, yeah, we've already talked and you're a complete asshole to me. And I said, <laughs> oh, shit, I didn't even realize that was you. And I feel like a complete idiot. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes I have to dial it back a bit. Uh, but but how did I decide to do that? Um, I think I think it's like sort of if you're on stage, you're playing this character. But if if something catches on fire, you have to like sort of come out of character for a minute and go, all right, I got to put this out and be real with people. And that's. Like I'll, I'll play as Sheen when I talk to people, but then um, uh, I'll have to I'll have to be like, all right. So in all seriousness, this is just a joke. Don't you know hurt people? Don't do shitty things. Don't be like Sheen. And then like after everyone's kind of on the same page, I come back into it and and keep going. You know what I mean? So yeah, no. Ha! Huh, wow. I just I just had one of those moments. Yay! So anyways, <laughs> turning back to the series itself. Um, when do you determine um, what comes next in the series? Uh, in one aspect. Like, how do you decide what's, uh, like, I know you don't really make new episodes occasionally. It's kind of an occasional thing now, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'd love for it to be a hobby thing. Um, you know, I'm going to get on another tirade again. but That's okay. Uh, That's why we have you on. <laughs> they don't want to hear from us. They yeah. want to hear from you. Well, uh, you know everyone's super wound up or I guess a little twisted about the fact that I started a Patreon and, and I was doing really well with it. Um, but I made a lot of really bad business decisions with it. Um, and I feel really like guilty because I had the opportunity to use it as a way to make money. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know, like it was a, it was a new thing when I used it and now people have, are doing the month to month thing and they're not producing episodes every month, but, but I constantly felt guilty and you're going to get, I guess you're going to get a very personal side of me. I, I, I really hate taking people's money. Um, I wish there was some way that I could just get money from advertisers and, and do the show, but it's just not possible. Advertisers don't want to back me because of my content. And, um, and, and I, I would love to take advertising money all day and, and just do what I love, but taking money directly from people, I feel, I feel guilty about. And, and so I did the Patreon for a while and, and, um, and I, I was, I was just, I don't know. I just, every time I'd release an episode, I'd feel like shit. I feel like, like I can't, like I shouldn't be doing this. This feels wrong. And I, and honestly, I was talking to a few other people who just started a very successful Patreon and I, I felt they felt the same way as me where they had to kind of back away from it because it was, um, I don't know, they, it just, it feels like you're, you're taking people's money and giving a non tangible thing. Some people are cool with it. it for me, it doesn't work. Um, but then like doing this game has been stressful because I'm again, taking people's money, but it feels, it feels better because I'm producing a product for that money and people are actually in, interacting with something. So it, it doesn't bug me as much, but then, you know, I, I, you know, I go on tirades and I'm like, well, maybe I'm not giving a good enough product for the money. And then like, I, you know, I worry about that and I just need to calm the fuck down. Basically I need to shut up and, and just, you know, do business. Like 
I it's it's I've never been a strong businessman. I've just been a guy who creates stuff and and you know just wants to survive basically. But I, I shoot myself in the foot and I, I I went on another tirade. I I don't even remember what the question was. <laughs> Determining what's uh, next in every episode. Like, is there a cutoff uh, point? Like, is it a few weeks out, or is it just when inspiration strikes you? Or I I a lot of times it's inspiration. Um, you know, like you're waiting for the spark. I, yeah, well, it's not the spark. Honestly, it's it's I'm waiting for the next thing that pisses me off. Honestly, um, <laughs> the next the next thing I see in in life um, that I mean, a lot of these things are just sort of exaggerations of experiences that I've had and I don't like and I make fun of. Um, and and uh, when when I see when I'm standing in line and and someone cuts in front of me, I'm like, oh, you're going on an episode. <laughs> nice. Uh, so I haven't – if I'm not out – I guess it's harder to write when I'm not out and about. But um, I have a couple of, of really great ideas that I really want to get out on paper, which I've already started doing. Um, but ultimately, like, you know, at, at the risk of sounding like a beggar, it really ultimately comes down to if I can afford it. Um, you know, I had to take out a loan to make the game. And if if it breaks even – it breaks even if it doesn't it doesn't that's i'm not complaining i'm just saying that that's just the that's the business side of things if it works out it works out awesome let's keep going let's keep making this um if it doesn't then i have to figure out something else and and make things work and um you know starting out it's always tough for everybody trying to get into this industry but um i i really don't honest to answer your question i don't know what the next the next step is uh, i'm going to keep focusing on making the game better uh, I, I have tons of additions I want to make to it, um, and and uh, if if the sales go well, then I'll just keep adding to it and keep making bedfell stuff. And if it doesn't, I'll uh, I'll try something else, and we'll see what happens. So, in other words, give him money, people. So yes, that give he me can all continue your, to make great keep. things. <laughs> Sorry to talk over you. Go ahead. No, it's I was just I was making fun of myself. I just I said. I, I say this at all the cons. I'll, I'll sit here and complain about taking people's money, and then I'll just be like, "I love taking your money. Give me all of your money." <laughs> just sort of making fun of myself, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, that's. I mean, it's it's whatever whatever happens. I guess I, I'm, you know, you can't make a lot of business plans because they change quite often, and you just have to roll with it. So, how many episodes are you at, and where can people watch the series? Uh, you can watch the series just. Just Google search Bedfellows YouTube and you'll find it. Um, I'm up to episode 31. I think the rap song was the last one I – no, was no the rap song was the last one I made. And then I did two 3D episodes. Uh, and then that was that. And if the game does extremely well, I'd love to just create an episode every every now and again that I can afford to produce. And, uh, you know, it all it all comes down to money. I guess it always does. I guess that answers one of our questions here. We were going to ask you why um, have you reduced the series output? Money. <laughs> it's all. It's funny. I, I sound like a baby complaining right now, but that's well, really the facts. Well, no, because I mean, I think everyone. I, I I know our audience well enough to know that pretty much everyone who's listening knows that you you can't pay the electric bill with good intentions they just just not a currency they're willing to accept right now right i mean even this show it's not like we make money off of it it's a labor of love it's just us you know chewing the our gums and stuff like that but 
but really it's a labor of love to the furry community and that's just unfortunately labors of love don't pay the bills <laughs> that's true it's true so well i think that we're about ready to go to our third break and we'll come back and we'll be talking about the game, but not our game. We're going to be talking about their game instead. <laughs> that very nice. Very nice. Hello, and welcome to Get Psyched with Dr. Nuka. Picture this. You're at work doing whatever your job is and suddenly your boss walks up to you. They have a smile on their face, so you figure they've probably got some good news for you. And it turns out that you're right. You're getting a bonus this year, an extra $500 on your next paycheck for all the hard work you've put in. How do you feel? Probably pretty good, right? Now, let's say one of your coworkers overhears this exchange and they talk to you after your boss leaves. Great job, they tell you. I got a $2,000 bonus myself. Does this new information change how you feel? Does it matter to you that you got a $500 bonus while your coworker got a $2,000 bonus? Now imagine that another coworker joins your conversation and they say, you guys got lucky. I heard Sam over there is getting his hours cut. Does this information change how you feel about your $500 bonus? Does it suddenly sound pretty good by comparison? These scenarios illustrate a phenomenon social psychologists call social comparison. We've talked a little bit about social comparison in other episodes. People naturally compare themselves to others, and we've discussed how people are biased to see members of their own group in a more positive light than members of other groups. Today, however, I want to focus on a different facet of social comparison, strategic social comparison. Building on classic work by Leon Festinger, Stanley Schachter, and Bib Latanye, social psychologists have shown that it's not only natural for people to compare themselves to others, but we do so selectively, strategically, in ways that are designed to make us look good and improve our self-esteem. In the example I gave, I mentioned your coworker Sam, who is getting their hours cut. Now when you compared yourself to Sam, chances are it made you feel better about yourself. After all, if you're getting a bonus and Sam is getting his hours cut, it might mean that you're just a better worker than Sam, and that's the sort of thing that can improve your self-esteem. Students do this all the time. If you do poorly on an exam, you feel better knowing that other students did worse than you, right? In this case, you can protect your self-esteem from the threat posed by the bad grade by saying, well, at least I'm smarter than those other people who failed. Now, when you talk about this in terms of paychecks or grades, it might seem kind of trivial. But researchers have found that breast cancer patients do the exact same thing as a way of coping with their illness and maintaining their optimism. You might think that people with cancer would be full of despair or feeling horrible about themselves. Instead, though, researchers found that they tended to be optimistic and more positive than expected because they were strategically comparing themselves to other patients who were doing far worse. By comparing their cancer to, say, a patient who was bedridden or paralyzed, or who didn't have any family, or whose cancer was spreading faster than their own, it actually made them feel better about their own cancer and more optimistic about recovery. So, okay, people can strategically compare downward to feel better about themselves. 
So you would think that comparing upward to people who are smarter or richer or just better than you would make you feel worse about yourself, right? Well, not necessarily. Research shows that people with higher self-esteem can actually be motivated or inspired by others who are doing better than themselves. For example, let's say you're a junior in high school and you're comparing yourself to a senior student who's doing amazingly at that school. Now, if that student is a lot like you, and if it's reasonable that you could achieve that same level of success yourself, you might actually be inspired by the student and think, wow, that'll be me next year. But this comparison can also backfire. If the student is way better than you ever could be, or if they're nothing like you, then this comparison can actually have the opposite effect and make you feel worse about yourself. To avoid this, without even thinking about it, you'll probably end up doing things to protect your self-esteem. So maybe you won't make this upward comparison at all. Or maybe you'll make this comparison, but you'll remind yourself that this superstar student is actually an anomaly. They've had some advantage, like natural gifts, or uh, their parents are rich or something, that makes it impossible for you to fairly compare yourself to them. Or you might find yourself strategically pivoting to a different point of comparison between the two of you to protect your self-esteem. Maybe you remind yourself that grades aren't everything and they're not even that important to you. Maybe what's really important to you is your athletic performance or having a social life or just being a happy person. All things that you might well be equal to or even better than this other student on. So how can we apply this idea of strategic social comparison to the furry fandom? Well, we make social comparisons within the fandom all the time. If you're an artist or a writer, you've probably found yourself comparing your work to the work of other artists or writers. If you've done this, you've probably already realized that comparing yourself to famous artists or writers might not be that good for the old ego. But compare yourself to artists or writers who are just getting started? It can help you realize just how far you've come, or help you realize that maybe you're not doing as bad as you think. And the same can be said for a lot of different groups in the fandom. Fursuiters comparing their suits to other suitors, convention organizers comparing their cons to other cons. Heck, when it comes to stigma and bad press for the fandom, a lot of furries defend their self-esteem by making downward comparisons to other fandoms. Well, at least I'm not a brony, or hey, we're better than Justin Bieber fans, right? And in a similar vein, we also strategically make upward comparisons that can inspire us. When we see other furries becoming doctors or doing charity work or following their dreams, we think, wow, they're a furry just like me. I could totally do that. The take-home message is this. We probably don't realize just how natural it is to compare ourselves to those around us. And at first glance, it might seem like comparing ourselves to others just to make ourselves feel better is a mean or cruel or nasty thing to do. I would argue that it's not inherently negative to do these things, though. Not only are they natural, but it's often beyond our ability to control who we're comparing ourselves to. These comparisons are a good way to protect our self-esteem when things aren't going so well for us. And by themselves, there's not really any harm being done. If you compare your grade to someone whose grade is lower, that doesn't necessarily hurt them. They don't even have to know that you're doing it because it's all in your head. Now, if you tease or bully them about it, or if you treat others negatively because of a social comparison, then we've got a problem. But as long as you keep your comparisons to yourself and treat others the way you'd like to be treated, there's nothing wrong with a strategic comparison once in a while. So the next time things get tough, 
and you're not feeling very good about yourself, take the advice that every person has heard from a parent or a teacher at some point in their life. Just remember that no matter how bad things are, somewhere out there, someone's got it a whole lot worse than you. This has been a quick look at the psychology of strategic social comparison. I'm Dr. Nuka. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on Get Psyched. You're listening to For What It's Worth. Brought to you by the For What It's Worth home game. Yes, the For What It's Worth home game. Now you can play with your favorite hosts, Rue and Tugs, whenever you want, however you want. Don't worry, they won't complain. You'll enjoy hours of fun with your friends and family moving across the board, from the recording studio to the changing room, that's Tugs' favorite, to the local fast food establishment to get a McRib, all the way back to Rue's house. If you're lucky, and the dice roll your way, you could visit the ever-elusive live convention show, or sneak Rue into the cookie factory. Be warned, though, spend too long in the factory, and Rue will be too full to move for several turns. You'll get to play with all your favorite characters. Koru, Firebreath, Ranji, Dr. Nuka, and that devilishly handsome classic commercial voiceoverist. He's the best one. To get your copy of the For What It's Worth home game, simply send 10 box tops of the For What It's Worth brand cereal to the For What It's Worth post office box address, along with your name, address, social security number, shoe size, blood type, and favorite jazz album. Expect delivery in 8 to 12 weeks. The For What It's Worth home game. Now you're playing with powder. And now for today's secret code. 25, 15, 21, 19, 1, 14, 11, 13, 25, 3, 1, 14, 4, 25, 12, 1, 14, 4. Good luck. Today's Fifty Shades of Grey, the furry edition. Excuse me, Fifty Sheds of Grey. I have to start that over again. Today's Fifty Sheds of Grey, the furry edition, is brought to you by Bed Chocolates. That's right, when you want a questionable confectionery, contact Bed Chocolates. Brought to you by the Cornhole Chocolate Company. Fifty Sheds of Grey, the furry edition, continues our WikiLeaks section of the book. When we last left you, the sex was exemplary. Actually, no, it was just the morning. Oh, here we go. It makes it even better. The morning was exemplary for me, too, in spite of weirding me out on the impeccable desk sex. Don't think I didn't notice. There was impeccable desk sex. Don't read this stuff out loud, ladies and gentlemen, especially when there's liquor involved. De- that if you could take the desk, okay, that's impressive. I mean, I've seen Varka do some crazy things. I heard he's putting an entire new kitchen in there now. Weirding is not a verb, Miss Smith, and should not be used by anyone who wants to go into publishing. Impeccable? 
Compared to what, pray tell? And what you need to ask about, Miss Jones, I'm intrigued. Seriously, pick up a goddamn phone, people. There's like 47 of these things. It goes on for three pages worth of emails. They even changed the font. It's in Helvetica. This is the most fascist thing I've ever read in my entire life here. Seriously, somebody at this company had to go through the deposition of their, whatchamacallit, publishing company. They're in Seattle, apparently. Did you know that? That's amazing. A lot of crazy stuff going on in Seattle. It's a true watering hole of weirdness. Miss Jones is a valued employee. I have never had any relationship with her beyond a professional one. I do not employ anyone I've had any sexual relations with. Wow. Are we just reading from like either the... Are we reading from either the Clinton playbook or are we playing from the Trump playbook now? I keep getting them confused. <laughs> oh, God almighty. This is where America's gone to. How many billion people do we have living in this world? And these are the two turd sandwiches we ended up with here. But, you know, hey. No kidding. Do we approve? This is furry porn and I approve of this message. I'm, we all see yeah, it's true. I'm the only one that can speak for you and solve this problem of a lack of furry porn in our days. We can make furry great again. And now we're back to talk about the game, but the Bedfellows game. I know. And you know what? So I, I listened to the last episode. I always do a quality check on the episode when I put it out there, you know, make uh-huh. sure that like the server didn't eat the file or whatever. Um, I, I, I really wanted that trailer to work in audio and it just didn't work in audio. So sorry, guys. But we really want you to buy the game anyway. <laughs> it's a fun game. And I'm not just saying it because he's our guest. Like I've been playing it. I Steam linked it over to the TV. Corey and I streamed it last night, and it was a lot of fun. So there is a Bedfellows game, which um, is available exclusively through Steam right now. And um, tell us about it. What is Bedfellows Frenzy? Uh, Bedfellows Frenzy is a throwback to Rampage. I was a huge fan of Rampage when I was a kid, but I didn't. I I was a fan, but I also hated it. Um, the way it played for me was slow and stiff, and and I just. I don't know what I, I made fun of the, the rampage game on my show. And, and um, like I said, this started as a, as a sort of for fun thing that there's just sort of that grew up and, and we were just like, okay, well, I guess this is a thing now. Um, it wasn't something that we set up as a business plan or anything. It just sort of happened. And um, you play as uh, sheen or fatigue. And um, I, I trying not to give away spoilers. Uh, I'm not sure how many people have, have watched the cutscenes yet. Uh, anybody's talking about what's going on in the cutscenes, but it's all very vague. <clears throat> everything, everything that was created for the show in every way is sort of a, um, a nod to this situation that Sheen and Fatigue are in. And, um, I, I was 
I'm I'm hoping to hear. I'm I'm looking forward to hear what people have to say about what what I've shown in the the cutscenes. But um, so what's but the, it's a sorry to interrupt you. What's the no, best way? You know, since we're talking about it, to give you feedback. Where do you want people to put the that feedback? Uh, the Steam forums is good for the Bedfellows Steam forums, and you can just post it in general. Any feedback, or if you if you look at the game and you don't know like if you're not quite sure if you want to get it or not you know ask questions there i'm hanging out um when i have time i'm hanging out in the general and i'm hanging out in in the um the people the people who buy the game get their own group and i'm, I'm hanging around there um you know feedback on things that you don't like anything like that i'm always lo- i'm always looking at feedback um whether i do it or not i'm always looking at it and um you know i'm i'm trying to create something that's just just fun um, it's very fast paced. It's very difficult, but that's, that's a homage to the, the old game. It's very difficult. And, um, uh, it's, it's, I enjoy it. I, I made it for myself and, and, you know, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it, I think. So are you thinking about, um, eventually releasing it to other, um, uh, like consoles and stuff like that? Um, my first goal is to get it on Mac and Linux. Um, I have to I have to get a system together that to, that'll do that. This is super indie, so <laughs> I'm literally just uh, pushing this from my own computer, which I only have a PC right now. So as soon as I can as, as soon as I can get lined up with a Mac and a, a Linux um, system, I'm going to be porting that over to those OSs, and then um, I've. I've already become a Nintendo partner, so I really would like to see this thing end up on the Switch. Um, so that, that's kind of my goal. I can't guarantee that. And, and I'm also looking at uh, Xbox uh, on their store. So um, that's that's kind of the, the plan. But before I do all that, I have to make sure that the game is, is a solid experience and this sort of first uh, wave of people are, are giving me feedback and I'm sort of going from there. And and uh, I'm taking it slow. I, I think that a lot of game developers, they just try to port to everything right off the bat and they end up having too many problems that they can keep up with. And, and I think the best thing is to to go slow. You actually beat me to the punch because I was going <laughs> to ask, with the Switch having a huge drought of games on launch, like there's what, like four first party titles in the first few months? It's like that is the perfect market. Like I would buy it just to have something to play on the Switch. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> really how I feel. It, when I saw the switch, I was like, this is perfect for this game. It's like, it's just, it's built for it. It's, it's, it's a, it's sort of a portable slash console game. And, and that's, you know, that you play with friends and on a couch. And, and that's, that's the goal of this game. Or on an airplane. I can just see people getting really irate on an airplane and people going, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> Why is that thing peeing on stuff? And no, I'm just kidding. I can see Nintendo getting on, on that, the like no We've peeing. Had, we've had neighbors complain because me me and my friends would be playing the game and we'd be screaming at each other. <laughs> <laughs> so so for the um, to clarify for people who haven't seen the trailer, it's a two-player game, right? Are you going to expand it beyond two-player? Is that in the works? Uh, so it's local co-op. I don't know if I'm going to be doing a three-player at the same time, but um, I do plan on adding. Uh, it's it's a. I'm planning on adding a third character, but um, that third character will be basically the. Um, it'll be the blueprints for changing your character, if that makes sense. Oh, so kind of like a like a wireframe <laughs> type snap in. 
Well, it'll, it'll be an actual character, but um, it, it'll be one that you can replace and use as as a your own custom art character. So, so you can put in your sprites and stuff like that. Exactly. Exactly. So it's sort of a guide for other people to use. I, I've uh, I've heard that like when they do the South Park games, right? Like uh, Matt Parker and Trey, Trey right? Um, they they've said that like it's really different making a video game that's based on an animation, which in your case is also based on a comic. So what was different about you creating this game? Like what were, what were some of the things you didn't expect to be different that were? Well, I'm a control freak, so um, I absolutely loved it. Um, there's so many times that. I, you know, I was classically trained in animation, so I, I just know how to take a character and sort of bring it to life. But um, the way you bring a character to life is, is you think about the gravity, the the technical aspects of, of where this ca- character is, like the gravity, the lighting, the the atmosphere, and all this stuff, and you and you sort of like fake it. But with um, with coding, it's it's like I can. Um, I can create the world and then the animation sort of comes to life in that world that I create. And, and it's really, it's crazy to see sometimes because people are, you know, they're doing different things with the characters, like not, not necessarily like intense different things, but they're controlling the character differently and it, and it sort of feels different how it moves and stuff. And, and I love that. Like, I actually really enjoy that. That's one of the reasons why I want to do a point and click after this is because I can make I can basically create a bedfellows universe in which people walk around and sort of interact with and and I'm, I don't want people to get the wrong idea and think that I'm doing like a VR sort of thing. It's in this point and click world where the characters can go and interact and you sort of get this this punchline from everything they do. So that's really exciting for me. Um, it, it it's it's given me a whole lot more control than I ever have and I love it. The so the frenzy has amazing billboards like i don't know how you came up with those billboards but i'm dying to know because you've got the billboards and you've got the walls which i don't know if you want me to spoil what's what it says on the walls but like i had to stop and put the controller down and not champagne spit all over it because it's an xbox elite and i was like i'm not going to ruin my controller but this is hilarious so so where did you get those jokes uh again it's it's just me sitting around i mean literally it was. I, I called up my friends and I said, I need a list of things that piss us all off. And that's it. That's all it was. And we just started listing things like uh, like anti-vaccination people piss someone off. So I was like, okay, that's something we can make fun of. What's something else that pisses someone off? And, and somebody said um, uh, uh, the fact that, that uh, trucks crash and then they sell all their goods to to dollar stores and it's usually broken objects and items. And I'm like, yeah, that's something we can make fun of. And so that's what we do. We just sit around and think about things that, that drive us crazy. And we go, let's make light of this, you know? And what's the name of that first boss? I have to know the one that I can't beat. Uh, that's Sally that she's, she's in multiple episodes. I haven't watched every one of them. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. She's in, um, she's the cop in the rap episode. She's the cop character. Oh, she's- okay. Okay. I get it. Now. It's funny. Cause Koro calls that tit bot. And I'm like, I don't think that's, <laughs> I don't think that's the name. Of the, of that all, character. all the characters, all the characters that you see, all the bosses are all characters from episodes. And when you, I'll, I'll throw out a little bit of a hint. If when you finish them, it tells you a lot about them. Um, I'm sure you've already noticed. Mm-hmm. 
um, it, it talks a little bit about their person because all these characters are pretty well developed. They just I, I never had the opportunity or the money to make to flesh out and show the audience what's going on. And same thing with Sheen and Fatigue. I'm going to get on another tangent here, but same thing with Sheen and Fatigue. They're kind of really they're honestly fleshed out really well. There's there's not a whole lot of, of things to to really build upon them. But, you know, there's there's all these things I want to talk about with Sheen and, and Fatigue and how they came to be and, and their history and stuff. But, you know, I just, you know, haven't had the opportunity to do so, which is why I'm really excited about the point and click if it if it comes about. Um, I want to talk about some really fucking deep shit that, that went on with them and when they were, you know, coming to be. So that's that's something that, um, you know, if... if if you've got a good eye, I think if you play the game, I try to do this in the episodes where I try to hide stuff for people to to sort of find. And there's honestly still stuff in there that people haven't found yet. I haven't at least I haven't commented on it yet. And and uh, you know, I guess I guess I make people work for story. Um, I guess that's the ARG nerd in me. But um, but if you want to find out about everything that's going on with these characters, you just have to look really closely at the episodes and see. Like what's in the background, what the characters are doing, and all that stuff. But so you touched on this just a little bit in the episode, and I've been actually refraining to ask this question because you you probably get it all of the time, and I'm not going to ask it point blank. But I'll, here's here's how I'm going to ask it. So the you talk a little bit about um, gender. Are we doing this? <laughs> Rue. What? It's supposed to be ambiguous. <laughs> no, 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 no. I remember I'm, the I'm not. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not point blank I'm asking not, him the question. <laughs> I just want to know how do you deal with all, all your fans? I know it's something that's that's big to the series. It actually has. I don't know. It's kind of iconic. It it. I know that you didn't mean it to, to be that way, but it has became iconic. What is his sex? You know, it. Right. And, and it, it all started out as a one-time thing. We weren't planning on making it a, a, a long going thing, but it, I guess when something makes people so mad and, and argue so much, I just can't stop doing it. So that, that I, it's, it's a troll in me. I'm just keep, I keep, you know, bringing it back up and <laughs> you'll see if you, if you beat the game a couple of times, there's, there's multiple cutscenes and multiple endings. So if you beat the game, you'll start, you'll see some more like trolley gender things that, that I do. And, um, you know, I, I had a, I got, I got to talk about this cause I had a guy, um, email me or actually he like posted to my Twitter multiple times and then emailed me and, and posted to my YouTube and and finally hit me up on FA and and he was demanding fatigue's gender and stuff. Well, <laughs> I guess not not really demanding. I don't want to make it sound like he's a he's a complete dick because he was he wasn't rude or anything. But he was he was like, you know, I think it's important for people to know fatigue's gender because there's a lot of of um, homo homophobic people getting really upset. And I was like, the whole point is it doesn't matter. Like both sides suck. Both sides want one side wants to justify fatigue gender so they don't feel weird about jerking off to gay porn, and one side of 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 the argument wants to feel justified because they want fatigue and Sheen to be in a gay relationship. But real true love does not fucking matter. Like that's that's my point, and that's that's what I mean when I say 
to people, lighten up. It does not matter. People get so wound up about all this stuff. And it, and the more you get mad, the more I'm going to want to troll you on it until you learn that it doesn't <laughs> fucking matter. Awesome. You know, you know what the, the flip it. of that, the flip side of that is. So um, at cons, I host parties and stuff. And people, people, you know, when you're the host, they'll talk to you. It's kind of like being a bartender, right? And um, I have plenty of friends that are gender fluid, post gender, whatever. And like they hold fatigue up as, as like a hero. It's really right. cool. And they're like, it doesn't fucking matter. You are right. what you are. And exactly. Like, <laughs> and they, but they totally love that there's this, you know, reasonably popular character out there in the fandom. I don't know if anything in the fandom is like super popular, by the way. But, you know, a character out there that they can relate to. They're like, it doesn't fucking matter. And it's. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, and you know, like. Whether whether I, I'm a I guess I'm a masochist and and I'm making a lot of enemies, but like whatever direction you go, whatever belief you hold on to, like it's it's some sort of agenda or ideology or whatever that that you want to believe in, and it like it doesn't matter. Like just laugh at the stupidity of the situation. Like that's kind of that's kind of my take on life, you know. Well, I think it's perfect. I, I think it's absolutely perfect the way that, that you've done that. I mean, it's kind of became, um, like I, I said, that it's kind of became iconic. It's almost like, it's like the tr- tricks. I, I hate bringing this example up, but it's almost like the tricks rabbit. Like the tricks rabbit, like it, he wants to, you know, get tricks and stuff like that. If you gave him the tricks. <laughs> you ha- they have though. Oh, they have? They have in the 80s. Yeah, they did. Oh, that's yeah, terrible. He's had it twice. Oh. But but I I maybe maybe then can I can I help you? Go ahead. What about when the one time they let Wiley e. Coyote catch the Roadrunner, which he let it go. He's like, then what am I gonna do? Right? Like, like it's it's fun to have the chase, the mystery, the yeah. Yeah, people people love to argue about you know people love to to I don't know like it's a little different with Wiley e. Coyote I guess because no one was really arguing at the time, but people love to just bring up fatigue's gender constantly and and i think i don't know it's kind of funny to me because in the show i've sort of hinted at the fact that that fatigue knows that no one knows his gender and he kind of like plays it up <laughs> and so you don't have to answer this i'll edit it out if you want but is there is there a tie-in to real life with that or is is that personal um uh, I, I think it's <sighs> It's not. It's not a. It's not an actual tie-in or anything. It's not like. Um, it's not like Travis is having any sort of gender, you know, issues or anything like that. I, maybe I'm. Maybe I'm getting a little too personal talking. I don't think. I don't think Travis will give a fuck. He'll probably laugh at it. But Travis definitely has no sexual identity issues. Travis is just like me. He doesn't care. Like. If he wants, if he wants dick, that's fine. If he doesn't, that's fine. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. I, I think I, I, we just both love making fun of when people start having like beliefs and stuff that it really, <laughs> at the end of the day, doesn't matter. And you know, fatigue, uh, Travis, fatigue, whatever you want to call him, he doesn't care about what people think about him. He doesn't care if people like idolize him for being like this hero or pioneer of, of transgenders or whatever. As soon as people start like loving, as soon as people start loving him for, for believing in or for doing what he believes is funny or right or whatever you want to call it, he's just going to switch it around on you. So it pisses you off. Like that's, that's, (laughs) that's just sort of the point, you know, I, I always say to people when they, they comment, they're just like, 
what is fatigue's gender? And I'm like, whatever you think it is, it's the opposite of that because I'm always going to keep switching it until you learn that it doesn't matter. I remember, I remember you posted about that on FA, and I, I, I lost my mind. I was like, that's a good stance to take. That's that's brilliant. You know, the gender is post. It doesn't matter. Right. Well, I mean, like you know, uh, I, I'm I'm just going to repeat myself. So we'll just continue moving. <laughs> it sounds like this is probably the biggest bane of your existence as far as the series goes. Is people just don't want to let it go. Which it's it's another one of those things. Well, it, it's not the gender issue that that irritates me. It's the fact that people get so wrapped up in its importance. Um, that that's another one of those things that it don't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, I have I have a very uh, um, um, what's the word? Uh, right-leaning family m- members. I have very left-leaning friends, and I'm being very torn apart from both sides, trying to pull me over to their side, saying like, "This is what's true, and this is what's not true." And and I'm just like, "Just fucking leave me alone. <laughs> I just want to make jokes, you know." That's so. I think that's true of everybody. People just want to live their damn lives, you know. And and here's the here's the thing: if you ever did a, like. Reveal the gender itself. Like at this point, I think it would actually like ruin. People would still argue about it. It yeah. would never go away. I've dug myself too deep into a <laughs> hole where I can get out. You know, I could never confirm nor deny fatigue's gender at this point. You should. You should just add some power ups to the game, right? Like, first of all, those power ups are hilarious. Like, <laughs> like I, I look at the little text on the side. I'm playing on this big TV, right? I look at and so I occasionally can read it and I'm like, oh my god, these jokes are just fantastic. Like, is this your first con? Or that's my it's my fetish. See, that's where it's my fetish comes from, Rue. It's one of the taglines for a power. See, wait till you play. wait how many have you unlocked yet? I don't know. I keep running out of money. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've only unlocked like maybe five or six. Like I now and they all have like sort of a personal touch to them so oh, I, I think you'll it. enjoy them all. I love it um, but you, I, I don't know if there's a power up but you should have like a penis and a vagina like analog type power up <laughs> but only fatigue can use them and so you just constantly keep changing genders just to rub it in <laughs> keep unlocking stuff you'll find something. Yay! I like this <laughs> magic potion there's a, there's a uh, settings in the settings menu that is specifically for that unlock. Oh, nice. That's good. I'm, I'm, I am pleased by this news. Except I need to get past level three. And I'm not complaining because I know you made it hard on purpose. I just, I got to get better. That's what it is. I got to get good. Well, I think it's good that you made the game hard. I mean, it's like, like for me, uh, like I play Binding of Isaac like crazy. Like Tugs hates me because of how much I play Binding of Isaac. But, I mean, it's it's difficult. It has a challenge. And the only way that you can get better at it is by continuing to play the game itself. And then once you get down the patterns and different things like that, then you can get, you know, better at it. And I think that it presents a challenge. I think games nowadays, they're just, they just give you everything. And right. I think it's good that you, you made a challenging game. It was a wise decision. Thank you. Are you are you ever going to do a physical media release just as like a commemorative thing? You mean for the game? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I I was toying around with the idea of of getting hacked 3ds's 3ds cartridges for it, but um, I don't know. Like it it really depends. You you could do like uh, retro NES style like cartridge molds, and then like right. you can cut you like it opens up and there's like a thumb drive inside with the game or something. 
Or yeah, no, that's that's a cool idea. I haven't, uh, you know, honestly, my goal right now is just to get the game functioning properly. So uh, then then after that, everything will like I'll start coming up with like as I start needing more crazy ideas, I'll start coming up with them. But I think that's a cool idea having that um, having a thumb drive in there in a old NES cartridge. Okay. Well, um, I I think that is pretty much. We've touched. We've talked a lot about the game. Um, the only thing I want to tell people is look at the cops. I like that the cops have curls. Um, and yeah, Rue's <laughs> giving me this look of curls. <laughs> Why point and click? Why are you going that particular direction? You talked a little bit about your childhood and how how it was a um, a love for for you. Is that Wow. Well, I feel like I feel like that um, doing. I, I don't know. It, I, I feel like I have to preface this by saying I can't. I'm not guaranteeing the point and click. I'm just saying that's sort of what I want to see happen if if things go well. Um, I think that when, when I grew up and I loved the Sam and Max games. Uh, I wasn't huge on Monkey Island, but I liked it. Um, and I, I love Full Throttle and Day of the Tentacle and and that sort of animation. That pixel animation has sort of a charm to it that I've always loved and um, and I feel like that the characters and the way they inter- the, the, the sort of style and the way that the characters interact with everyone in the world like Sheen's kind of a dick to everybody and the characters are in this universe sort of react to his dickishness it, it just sort of fits for for like maximum uh, comedy like you where you can go up and, and walk up to something and and you know something great's gonna happen, but like I I don't know I just imagine someone walking into a room and seeing like something in there that they just go oh when Sheen messes with this it's gonna be fucking hilarious <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> yeah so it just seems like it's a great setup for it, it just lends really well with the characters and and I think people would really enjoy that that was originally the the plan was to make a point and click but then. I sort of looked over my assets and how many it was going to take and how much the, the whole project was going to cost. And I said, I'm going to have to do something small and work my way up. So going back to this, um, back to the game itself, what did it take to make the game and how did it compare to your previous work? Um, the the only thing that was really different, I guess, is the the um, the amount of time and risk uh, it was a, it, when you're making an episode, you're doing like a weekly or bi-weekly thing, and and if it doesn't do well, then you're just like, oh well, we'll move on to the next gag. But with this, it was a whole lot more stressful because it's like you know you have everything going in of you know nearly a year's worth of work, and it has to be perfect, and and you never really get a whole lot of feedback until it's out there, and that's that's how it kind of differs. Um, from the design point, uh, I mean, it's when you when you um, when you art direct, you just sort of have to to go with the flow. And if if you're using different programs and and something doesn't work, then you just have to grab something else and try to do something else. So, um, <clears throat> for instance, the cutscenes are are sort of this old style where they're they're a looping mouth flap animation where they're talking, and then they move to the next pose. And this is all something I had to like build an, a system for that that um that you know worked the way that i wanted it to work and that was not something i've ever done before and, and 
but you know, I've learned a lot and if I can do it again, it will be a whole lot better, but that's just how it goes. You know, you do it, you do it and you learn and you go on. So it took you a year to make the game. Now, do you consider it out of beta at this point? I would say it's, it's probably still late beta. It's, I would say if I put a number on it, I'd say it's about 95-ish percent done. Okay, so uh, that, that's why it says beta when I alt-tab out of the game. That's, that's really what I wanted to know, if you had left it in on purpose or not. <laughs> honestly. Um, uh, no, so, so the, the game, when I say 95%, I mean 95% functional. Uh, the, there's still some GUI issues that bother me. Um, there's still a couple of bugs that people are complaining about that I'm aware are there and I just haven't had time to fix. And I want all that stuff fixed. I want it to be at 100% before I even start branching out and doing other things with it. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's functional. It works. Uh, I think that the multiplayer needs a lot of work. Um, I'd like to get different modes in for multiplayer and stuff like that, but, uh, it's playable and I don't, I don't think it's like a ripoff or anything right now, but, uh, it is, uh, it still needs love for sure. So what, so this is kind of our, our Final question, do you think? Final thoughts -ish. Final thoughts, kind of. Um, what do you want everyone to know about the game or your anything about the Bedfellows or the series itself? Uh, Other than give me money. Yeah, I guess give me... I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I guess the whole point... The the one thing that I don't know, I, I try to make this pretty clear in the show and, and I don't think a lot of people get it. Um, I, I guess the the one thing I want people to do when they watch the show is just lighten the fuck up. Just stop taking everything so personally and laugh. Um, too many people, uh, they watch it and, and, you know, a lot of people get offended and, and that doesn't really bother me. But but. You know, like, I, I guess I would be talking directly to those people. If you don't like it, don't watch it and, and laugh at it. La laugh at yourself and laugh at the fact that I'm making fun of myself. And if if it bothers you, then, you know, I guess you just don't have a very good sense of humor. Then, go, wa then go watch The Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, I thought you were going to say Little Mermaid. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, then I will push this button. Housekeeping. No. Housekeeping. And now I realized I loaded the wrong soundboard file, so that's our old one, but who cares? Please, comment on the show. Yes, comment on the show. It makes people look like, or it makes, it makes people think people go to our show site and listen to the show, which is always a good thing. Please, um, Twitter us. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so we have Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus, which I am actually keeping track of the Google Plus group. I'm trying to whenever we release an episode to at least go check it. Um, Fire Breath is there, though. So, you know, if you want to talk to Fire Breath, that's like the only way people can talk to him. And if you want to talk to us one-on-one, -on -one, Telegram is the place to be. Yeah, we have our Telegram group. The link is on our show uh, front page. Remember, you, we ask that you be 18 to join simply because we don't like lawyers. Lawyers really scare the crap out of us, guys. We don't want to deal with them. We just don't. So, Tugs, what is the next episode? Um, I was going to talk to you about that, but shall we dig into the idea bucket? Uh, sure. In other words, we're not prepared. We aren't prepared, but way to like tell people that. So hold on. <laughs> Let me go over here. Um, idea bucket. So we've got lots of ideas from people. 
Uh, they're all in this fun little bucket. All right. Uh, we could do Tulpe. Um, no clue. Gothic what that is. furries or body types, body image, nerd look, and the fandom. I think body types body would be types? great. Okay, so here's where this comes from is um, as much as I would like to think that furry cons are places where you go, they're bastions of hot, sexy models. That's not what it is. The real truth is uh, most of us, from, this is just anecdotal observation, are not skinny. Most of us have a little bit of a tummy. Um, so I'm, there's, there's some that don't. Um, a lot of us have glasses. A lot of us have long hair. I don't have long hair. I have basically no hair. Um, um, some people think that Rue is a girl. So there's all kinds Yay! of things. But but basically, when you think con, you're, you you go and you're like, it, it's truly what the stereotypical nerd look is. You know, maybe I should have kept my gender, you know. <laughs> We're good enough. We're I done with that. That's, that's, back in, kidding. that's back in the last bit. Um, so, you know. What do you think about nerd look? Do you feel like, eh, it's no big deal? Or do you think, man, we really should get it together and all go to the gym? You know, have you changed your opinion over time? All those kinds of questions um, and general physical shape are kind of what we're going to talk about next episode. So please send your questions and comments to cast at for what it's worth dot com or you could ha- send us a handy dandy, our favorite voicemails. And you can send them to what number? 469-44-FURRY. Long distance charges apply. If you still have a landline, go ahead and make sure that you know what you're paying for. <laughs> so let's go back to our guest. Oh, wait, wait. Before we do. Oh. Do we want to do the live show at BLFC? Yes. Okay. We're going to do a live show at BLFC. So if you want to sit in the front row, assuming the con allows that, we're still working with them as of this very moment. Um, the $100 Patreon tier gets you super premium treatment at a live show. Or if you don't make it, you get the guaranteed exclusive swag. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. Patreon. Yes, we have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash FWIW. If for some reason you think this crap is worth money, give it to us. Well, and, then, it, and what does it go to? It goes towards audio equipment and uh, website bills, stuff. Hosting bills, etc. All right. So let's return back to Chris. Chris, plug your game. Uh, that's tough. It's it's a uh, it's on Steam. Just do a search for Bedfellows, and that's the only thing you're gonna find. Uh, check out the website on uh, YouTube. Just search Bedfellows. It's all it's all numbered addresses, so you'll have to probably Google or or, or Steam search it. I have one last question before we go. What is your favorite episode of of Cheers of your own series? <laughs> I don't have a favorite episode. I guess I guess I like the rap song the best because it's. I love the animation in it. <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. And I love how mad it made people. All right. Well, this has been Rue. This is Tugs. Koru has left for the day. And oh, say your name, sir. Oh, bye. I'm Chris Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been listening to for, for what, what it's, it's worth. worth. Yeah. You still have to say the show name. We don't actually tell you this ahead of time. You just get to find out live. Sweet. I missed it. I was way off on that. Yeah. So now you got to say it again. Okay. Say it. For what it's worth. There we Yay! go. <laughs> <laughs>